I'm your host, David Cameo, and we are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe, but not today. Today, we're Better Squawk Saul, covering Better Call Saul's sixth and final season. Today, we're actually talking about the mid-season finale, episode seven, titled Plan and Execution. Unlike the last few episodes, you received a reaction plus full episode breakdown. This go-around, we're actually only including the full episode breakdown. There was no reaction episode because, frankly, everybody was kind of speechless. You'll see in the next few seconds what that entailed, and it's kind of a landmark episode. So you'll understand once we get into it. In any case... If you've been enjoying these episode breakdowns, please, please, please head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead. Give us five stars and eggplant to let us know that you bare minimum loved it. But if you want to write more, you probably should because we need to know if you're loving this Better better Call Saul breakdowns. Uh, let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, whether we should actually stick to the Walking Dead universe or not, and you're really enjoying this. Use it as a means of communication. Include your social media and we'll post it and our social media and tag you. Thank you so much for enjoying these breakdowns. I, I, It's always a gamble when you try something new, but we appreciate your listening. And without further ado, here is the full episode breakdown of Better Call Saul's mid-season finale titled Plan and Execution. Hi, I'm Aiden. Did you know that you have rights? The Constitution says you do, and so do I. I believe until proven otherwise, every man, woman, and child should hear this podcast. And that's why we talk to you, Internet. Better Squawk Saul. Hi, everybody. We are um, here today to cover the mid-season finale of Better Call Saul, episode 607, Plan and Execution. Oh, wait, yeah. wait. Show mm. your sign. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> nice. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Today, we are here with Rachel, Cosmo Mamo 9, Bridget, Ain't My First Radio on Instagram, and X Prophecy Girl on Twitter. And our special guest today, Aiden Hamlin. Yay! Oh, he changed his name. Aiden, at Aiden underscore Atkin underscore on Instagram. Aiden just caught up on the series and he has been doing the blogs for us. So actually he was spoiled on everything up until the last episode. <laughs> sorry, Aiden. <laughs> Poor baby Aiden. I'm, I'm so super sorry. glad you did not get spoiled on this because you, you watched it with Rachel and I live. And oh, um, I really wish we had been recording your reaction because it was hilarious. <laughs> you jumped um, clear 10 feet in the air. <laughs> like for real. You just was like up and back. Oh, it was hilarious. Yeah. It's always fun when you know what's going to happen watching somebody else. Like it's mm-hmm. great. We have to record us watching it. The last episode. Uh, we have definitely, to. Definitely. We have to. To make sure we get definitely. those reactions. <sighs> mm-hmm. Man, I've heard a whole lot of theories going on and I don't like any of them. Oh, shit. We open up on Lalo coming out of the sewer and he goes to his car and takes off his rubber pants and puts on some flip flops and goes to um, a truck stop, takes a shower. On the Insider podcast, they said that was a real truck stop. And that was really the shower in there. Like, that was what it really looked like. They didn't build the set or anything for that. That was what the okay. truck stop shower really looked Very like. Thank cool. you for that. I have been curious my entire life 
since the first time I stepped into a truck stop and saw there were showers, I was always like, what does it look like back there? Like what? <laughs> What could possibly I always, be back there? I always thought it was like a locker room, maybe like you know, yeah. like, like some lockers and like three or four showers in a row that people get in. But no, that 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 was the. I mean, I'm not saying all of them are like that, but that was a real truck stop they used. They said that they put some set dressing in there, like the the soaps, and you know, they made it look a little bit prettier than it really did. But it basically it was just like that. Well, I still have one question about this. Where are the towels? Because in my mind, I'm like, do you have to bring your own towel in? Well, Lalo hmm. didn't have one, <laughs> but Lalo have didn't. Yeah. So right. they, probably suddenly... have, they probably have a cabinet with some in there. Would be my suddenly guess. I was like, what? <laughs> and how can you trust those towels then that have been left out to the masses? How can you trust a I mean, fucking you're... truck stop shower? Yeah, if you're showering at a truck stop, There's I think you're beyond trusting the towels. Yeah. Flip-flops, those are right. his shower shoes. Shower shoes. After the shower, he um goes out to his car and sets his timer and takes a nap first of all let me say there are a whole lot of callbacks in this episode to the first five seasons and this was one of them when he lays down the car and he takes the timer and sets it for an hour very similar to when kim when she was doing mesa verde and she took a nap in her car and that was the one with the, the jump cut that made everybody jump you like when her alarm went off and this was different this was you know it's the same setting they're sleeping in their car but this time lala wakes up calm he's not surprised at all he goes back to the sewer and goes back down and i was like wait a minute you just took a shower why are you going back in the <laughs> that's sewer? what i thought because i was like that's I disgusting thought, right i thought maybe he had used the sewer to get into the united states that's why the car was there waiting for him and everything mm-hmm. so when I he went back too. in i was like why are you going back in the sewer but then we, we find out why because he's you know watching gus another thing i thought when i was watching it as he's going through the tunnel i was like man that tunnel really looks like the oil tanker and on the Insider podcast, they said that is what it was. It was the oil tanker. They cut the ends of it off and put it in there as a tunnel. Because obviously That's they're not cool. really filming in the sewers. It's a sound stage. <laughs> so use a um, real truck stop, but not real sewers. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's a little bit cramped to film in the sewers, I would think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not sure you want your cameras down there. Yeah. So you got 300 people crammed into the sewers. It might be a little, uh, a yeah. little tight. <laughs> tight squeeze. So then, of course, we see that he's watching Gus, watching the the laundry. What did you guys think of the opening scene? I think Lalo is just such an interesting and intriguing character. And I think Tony Dalton, like every time he comes on screen, I'm just like in awe. You just don't know what he's going to do. The first half of the season has very much obviously been building with him because you kind of don't know what he's going to do. You don't know when he's going to show up. And you're like, okay, when he does show up, who is he going to go after? And then, so I just kind of liked all these seeds planted. And it shows especially with the dynamic of the contrast with Gus when he's constantly panicking and he's like checking the cameras and he's doing all this stuff. And then you see the contrast with Lalo. Like you said, he's very relaxed. It just shows the type of different characters. And I like that how they've written him because it just shows how different each and every one of the Salamancas are because they're all psychotic and crazy, (laughs) but all in very different ways. Honestly, I like still, even now I cannot get over the end it's blocked my brain from being able to like really look at this episode and i feel like i need like time like i can maybe come back to this in a couple months but like i'm still like what the hell just happened it was great i was excited that lalo was back in it and then not excited that he was back but 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 at the beginning when it, it first showed him and he was in the u.s i was like ah 
awesome. We're going to get like movement in this story and there's going to be a lot of it really quickly. And so I was really looking forward to that. And then it was like too much movement. (laughs) (laughs) Stop the movement now. He's okay, right? He's okay. (laughs) He and Beth, man, him and Beth are hanging out together. Rub some dirt on it. It'll be fine. Uh, you know, I always love when they open the show with n- no dialogue, when you can just sort of immerse yourself in what you're seeing. And like, I don't know about you guys, but my brain immediately just starts running wild with ideas. Like I want to try and predict what what's going to happen before it happens, like right in the moment. The show never fails to be beautiful in everything that it does. Mm-hmm. Even the fucking truck stop was just glorious and then at the end when we finally when all the pieces finally come not the end of the episode the end of the intro (laughs) when all the pieces finally come together you're like oh and it's just that reveal Mm -hmm. you're like oh they're so good at just you you could never figure out what they're gonna do it's always a surprise and i love that our casimiro body double guy (laughs) he's picking taking carts i guess he works at the big departments were there and uh, he's out gathering carts and while he's gathering carts he is working on lines from a play and that play is millennium approaches angels in america number one by tony kushner Mm. it's a metaphorical play about aids and homosexuality in america in the 80s certain major and minor characters are supernatural beings or deceased angels or ghosts but the the line that you were talking about the person speaking is named Roy. He says, please let me finish. Few people know this, and I'm telling you this only because I'm not afraid of death. What can death bring that I haven't faced? I've lived. Life is the worst. Listen to me. I'm a philosopher. Joe, you must do this. You must, must, must. Love, that's a trap. Responsibility, that's a trap too. Like a father to a son, I tell you this. Life is full of horror. Nobody escapes. Nobody. Save yourself. Whatever pulls on you, whatever needs from you, threatens you, don't be afraid. People are so afraid. Don't be afraid to live in the raw wind, naked and alone. Learn at least this, what you are capable of. Let nothing stand in your way. Mm-hmm. Sounds a lot like Jimmy, doesn't it? Or mm-hmm. Kim. They don't do anything by accident on the show. And I just thought it was it was neat that they chose that particular passage for our our guide. Which, and after um, yeah. Saul talks him into getting in the car, as he, he, he talks him into it, and he's like, uh, the last thing he says is, Let nothing, let nothing you, stand in your way. Let nothing stand, stand in, your way, in yeah. my way. Yeah. Yeah. What I noticed was Saul used all different kinds of tactics, money, $300, $400. I'll, I'll get you, I mean, I'll get you out of it with your boss. I'll sue your boss. We'll take <laughs> care of it. But what really sold him was the idea that he could use his craft. That was what got him to get in the car. It was for the fun of it and for the craft. And that also was a little parallel to Jimmy and Kim because as Howard says later, they did it for the fun. Yes, the money was a great incentive, but that's not really why they did it. They did it because they wanted they wanted to. It was fun for them. I feel like that that's kind of the same. It's just a little parallel between them. I expected nothing less from Jimmy. That was Jimmy in his prime doing what he does. He's the guy for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, we knew he had to do something to appease Kim since she was like, no, this happens today. So he was under some serious pressure to get this guy. (laughs) They actually addressed that in the Insider podcast. They were talking about how Jimmy didn't really want to do this. Like he kept trying to put the brakes on it and kept trying to put the brakes on it. But he was going to lose Kim over it. Every time he tried to to thwart it, she was gung-ho even more. 
And that's why he ultimately ended up going along with it was because Kim was that important to him. I thought it was really good. And like you said, it shows the lengths that Jimmy is willing to go to, which we've been seeing that really the last, you know, section of episodes where they've been focusing on this Howard stuff. And I just, every time they did something, I'm like, damn, they're really going for it. Dressing up as him and the car and the Clifford Maine thing, you know, (laughs) I mean, and this whole episode just obviously, you know, being icing on the cake of that whole thing. And I didn't really know what was going on like with the actor and stuff and that maybe just because like i'm coming from a binge where i haven't been analyzing things as closely mm-hmm. i haven't been re-watching i may not have caught everything because i was just going boom 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 i literally started season one like a month ago <laughs> months ago so, like everything like i don't really have time to let things marinate so mm-hmm. i didn't really catch it until after the fact and i was like this is really good but I like the fact that he was willing to just keep raising like the money and stuff like that. too. he was like, all right, 400, whatever you want, just, just do it. Like he was going just, just to do it. whatever he, that guy wanted him to do. Throwing out whatever he could possibly throw out there, which I mean, that's what Jimmy is good at. I mean, he knows how to read people. He knows what to say to make them do what he wants. The camera guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love that guy. <laughs> What's it? Do we know his name? What is his name? He does not have a name on the show none of them do technically my guy i mean i think they do like if you go back and look on wiki i think they do but like they're never mentioned in the show (laughs) the actor's name is josh josh fed fadem f-a-d-e-m i hope i'm saying that right sorry josh the camera that he's talking about when they open up the sl Ive or whatever early on in the series when he's working for jimmy jimmy asks him because he's always about the money and jimmy's like what is it with you and money and he's like i'm trying to save up for an sl by whatever that camera was that was the camera that he was talking about so just thought it was a neat little a little another neat little callback so he's he's telling all the other students that they're not allowed to touch the nice cameras is that his personal camera or do you think it's the the college's camera i think it's the college's because okay, he, said okay. he doesn't speak for the equipment center equipment center right yeah right okay okay i was gonna say because if it was his camera i wouldn't want them touching it either <laughs> right I love how we described the, the letters the lesser quality one. You could uh, film your sister's second wedding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. Local, or porno. A porn without, without, without plot. <laughs> That's great. When they do the, the shoot, everything about the scene was perfect. The camera work, the humor, I love the the camera work they did as they circle around them, as they're putting the makeup on and, and doing the cast and everything, but they're just continually going in the circle around them. And, and the music just makes it so kind of get up and go. And it was funny when the camera guy says, nobody touches my stuff. And Jimmy's like, truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> uh, and, and the makeup girl dressed up as the gelfling. <laughs> from the dark crystal <laughs> the dark crystal right we're doing a dark so crystal random. Musical. <laughs> it's great <laughs> so random too kim shows up and once again jimmy gives her an out i can do this you go on to your meeting you can still make it she won't do it well the last time she left everything fell apart so she probably feels like i can't leave or this isn't going to go the way it needs to i don't know i feel like we've seen kim be very self-destructive I, and she doesn't allow herself to be happy feeling like this was such a sure thing could have been scary for her almost paralyzing like 
if I go through with this, it's going to be really good. And how do I handle that? How do I handle being happy? Cause like we've seen her over and over again, be, be very hesitant about being excited for herself when, when mm-hmm. great things happen. Also, how can I go back to small time scams after doing this big one? <laughs> Maybe I do want to touch on something you said, Bridget, though, a big theme in this episode is thinking that they're in control when they're not. And Howard even talks about it briefly in the scene where he's with the Stodacan when he says that was Chuck's way of being prepared for anything. But the fact is you can't always be prepared for everything. And everyone in this episode is dealing with a situation that they thought they had control of, but they don't. Even Lalo, because Lalo thought he had the whole situation to control until he tried to call Hector and realized that they tapped the phones. And that totally changed his plan. He was no longer in control of that situation. Gus. He thinks he's in control, but he's not. He's not in control because Lalo's still out there. Howard, <laughs> he's obviously not. Howard thinks he's in control oh, wow. of the situation at, at the conference, but that obviously spirals way out of control. And not only does he think he's got the conference under control, he thinks he has Kim and Jimmy under control and what they're trying to do. And as we see that he does not in the slightest, he, he even thinks he's prepared for them, but he's not. And um, of course, Jimmy and Kim, they have control of the situation all the way through. You know, hey, we did it. We're all right. We can even handle Howard when he comes to see us. But once again, they're out of control of their situation as well. That makes a lot of sense. Nail, meathead. (laughs) (laughs) Howard essentially becomes Chuck in this episode. And I'm going to talk about that more when we get there. Like Chuck did, he thought he had everything under control. He thought he had everything in the back, especially that comes to a head in the trial during uh, chicanery. Mm-hmm. He's so sure of himself. You know, Howard at the meeting, like, oh, no, get those photos off my desk. And they just look crazier and crazier. Mm-hmm. And I th- that obviously just shows how smart Jimmy and Kim are. But even by the end of the episode, we see that they are not in control either. And I, pretty much every character on the show, or at least that's present for this episode, thinks that they are so sure of something at one point, whether it be by the end of the episode or in the middle or whatever, they lose that control. And some of them get it back, like Lalo. You know, you'd mentioned him earlier. He's probably the only one, but everyone else kind of loses it. And I love it when shows do that running theme. And it's not obvious, but when you think about it, everyone has it at a different time in the episode and for a different reason. And I think it's really... These writers are fucking brilliant. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, definitely. And yes, we are going to touch on all the callbacks to Chuck's trial because there were many, many of them. I mean, we've kind of seen that repeated throughout the series, right? This false belief in yourself that you have control and can have control over everything, which is, as we all know from experiencing real life, is not an aspect of real life that you have control over. You just don't. It's something, you know, people really struggle with. People who are victims of trauma struggle with it. People who have issues with substance abuse struggle with it. It it all becomes this like desperate grasp to control the situation that you're in. And no one has that. It really came to a head in this episode. And I want to come back to this when we get to Gus, because even though his part was very small, the control aspect applies to him in that as well. Mm -hmm. Most of the characters on the show, like Kim, Jimmy, Gus, Lalo, Hector, whoever, Howard, they're used to being in control for the most part. So it's interesting to see them lose that control, but it's also interesting to compare that to Nacho, who is the one character on the show who was never in control, and he knew it. He knew that he wasn't in control, so he was able to live his life the way he wanted, and then he was able to end his life the way he wanted, which I think is an interesting comparison. That was the only 
control he had left. Iggy mm-hmm. took control was, when it mattered. Yeah. 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 He played the one card that he had. And some people don't get to do that. Poor Howard. Okay. <laughs> Poor, Poor Nacho. <laughs> the dark room where they're doing the photos. <laughs> you can't rush the process. <laughs> the one thing I noticed that was interesting in the scene was the clock said 1130. So Casimiro says later that he got into Albuquerque at 10. And he went to a gas station and then he went to a liquor store to get a gift. So I'm going to say that he was probably at that liquor store between like 10, 15 and 10, 30, maybe. So they basically put all of this together in like an hour and 15 minutes and got the pictures out the door. <laughs> I, thought it was, I just thought that was pretty cool. All I have to say is I guess Albuquer- Albuquerque isn't very big. Because <laughs> they seem, their traveling time seems to be a little sparse. <laughs> the cute little kiss on the cheek as Jimmy ran out the door with their scam that was so cute i did i did notice that he had two envelopes in his hand at the time but i'm like i i didn't think much of it i should have right because they flashed it right in front of our faces but i was like maybe they're like just a different set like he'll decide which one he actually wants to use i don't know that's why it's so brilliant that's why they reveal yeah. it's all there yes. every detail is like it's right here and you don't realize it until it happens. You know, like mm-hmm. we said about the callbacks, they do the same thing in chicanery with Huel and everything. So it's like mm-hmm. everything is there. You just don't realize it until after. And then it makes you go, you saw my reaction. It makes you go, <laughs> I was like this for like half of the <laughs> episode. So. I was right about the private investigator. Yay! Yes, you were. Jimmy. <laughs> I'm so happy they explained it too. Yeah, I love the explanation they came up with. Of course, that's how they did it. <sighs> yeah, I I was really happy when I saw Jimmy throw the pictures to him. I was like, yes. I think Rachel and I were both really happy for you because I remember our, re- our reaction during the watch was we were like, yes. <laughs> Howard comes into the conference room and he pulls a chair out and moves it over to the corner, which of course we know now was so he could wheel Mrs. Landry down there in the wheelchair. <laughs> Let's make her look weak. Oh, give, say, give these talk, old people some more money, Rich Swiker. Yeah, talk <laughs> about playing it up. No, we just want you to be as comfortable as possible. Get in the wheelchair, bitch. Is what that <laughs> I was so worried about Howard touching Mrs. Landry with that shit on his hands. Mm-hmm. Like the, the whole time I was like, oh my God, don't touch her bare skin. Oh my God, don't touch her bare skin. And I mean, you know, they had to kind of do that on on purpose to make us even more tense that that was tension building getting us even more worried like oh my god what's gonna happen what's gonna happen there were so many red herrings in this episode to be like concerned about so i was worried about howard and then when we were watching i was like i'm more what if he touches irene and that did it and you were like don't worry he didn't touch her skin and i was like but he touched the teacup like, suddenly it was like every, every little thing i was like no and then he's like is it hot in here and i was like oh god he's gonna die like, it was just like every little piece was like maybe no just not <laughs> like i said i saw somebody had looked at the tea that howard was drinking in the last episode and it mm-hmm. was chamomile tea which has no caffeine and so when they put the emphasis on the caffeine it was like oh my god it's gonna kill him because he's gonna be over caffeinated and he doesn't need drink caffeine and nope. i mean he did die but it wasn't from caffeine <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> howard in the uh well he's in there and then the little new guy comes in carrie and he drops the sodas howard tells the story about how chuck would turn the can and all that again that that plays into the theme of being prepared for anything and being in control 
and Chuck always wanted to be in control and be in prepare and be prepared. Aiden, you tested that theory, didn't you? I tested that theory. I did. I literally took a soda can, I shook it up in my hand, and then I looked over at my couch and I tossed it at my couch. <laughs> and then I grabbed the soda can, I took it over to the fireplace, and I did it. And I said, okay. And it worked. I, I, when I got on here, I was like, should I bring a soda can and do it on the show? I was like, my But I loved it. Like, I loved it. And I was like, this is one of the reasons why this show is so perfect. And I just love that they include that story because as someone who goes to school and studies writing, you always want to make your characters feel more real. And like, I've always gotten compliments on that for being able to make my characters real. And one of the things that I always do is take details from someone that you know, or stories. Like if someone told you a story years ago, incorporate that. If someone doesn't like ice cream, like that little detail helps you understand their character. So I love that they gave that detail because it was so fitting to Chuck and to the scenario. And obviously, like I saw, you know, I saw on Twitter people talking about, you know, he's silencing the explosion of the can, just like the silenced explosion at the end of the episode, which I loved too. Because then it's like another one of those things that when you rewatch it, it's like, oh, damn, they're so good. At the end of that scene, Howard was talking about Chuck and Carrie says, I hope that somebody says that about me one day. And Howard says... Maybe there are more important things. What do you think Howard was referencing? Well, first off, can I just say, Carrie is a buffoon and there is no way anyone will ever say that about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think Howard, the look Howard had was kind of supporting that too. When, he, like, when yeah. he said that, I was yeah. like, really, my dude? Really? <laughs> you just dropped a bunch of drinks in front of this guy because you're so nervous. I don't think so. I think the only person that might say that about him is his mommy. <laughs> he's got a mug that says world's greatest lawyer from his mom <laughs> it kind of felt to me like it was like a this sad reference towards the fact that like he has made it to the top he has his own firm and he did everything the right way in that firm he doesn't have any blood on his hands in that regard but his life has kind of crumbled around him that feeling i got from it was that the happiness that you find outside of your work should matter too like you should strive to be happy not just like the best at something because he isn't happy his wife and he are like separated and he's sleeping on like a bad mattress and the guest house and you know it's like all this money and and power and everything didn't get him where he he wants to be now in this as we know last day of his life which is really sad Uh, I like your answer much better because I was only thinking about his wife (laughs) but but everything piled on top of that makes a lot more sense yeah I agree 100% with what both of you just said. I also was thinking about Chuck because that's who they're talking about, right? When they say, mm-hmm. so all the things Bridget said, but also there are more important things in life because even though everyone considered Chuck to be the greatest legal mind they knew, how did he spend the last years of his life alone, wrapped in a baked potato blanket? Yeah, mm-hmm. he was not so, happy. He was not right, happy was at all. And pretty lost much his wife everyone well. hated him. Mm-hmm. He lost his wife too. He lost his wife. Jimmy pretty much got to the point where he hated him. You know, Kim... Howard was probably the only person who still was there. You know, even Ernie, poor Ernie, who looked uncomfortable as hell the whole time he was around. (laughs) I took that as well into consideration. It's kind of like how I felt, you know, when people talk about legacies. It's like you're spending so much time on how you want to be remembered by people you'll never meet. Why would you want to spend your life focusing on stuff that's after you're gone and not the people while you're present? Waste of time. And 
consider the legacy that Howard's going to leave now because he's going to die with everybody thinking he's a fucking coked out drug addict, whoremonger. After all the work he did, after all the straight shooting and all the straight arrow that he did all his life, he's going to be remembered as a, as a coked out. And I mean, the way he dies, who he's yeah. killed by, that's one of the biggest drug dealers. Mm-hmm. So even though he had no connection to him, like obviously, you know, besides Jimmy, it's going to make it look even worse. He was just starting to realize that the firm wasn't the only thing in the world that mattered. And the PI comes to the office and gives him the photos. And of course, Howard falls for it. Both line and sinker. PI mentions the silver Miata. Do you think they know about the silver Miata because Jimmy saw it in the parking lot of the liquor store? Or do you think they got Francesca to hit up some of her contacts at the MVD? Hmm. That's tough to say because Jimmy could have yeah. like waited for him to leave the liquor store. He was paying. So it wouldn't have been like a lot of time that he would have yeah. spent like waiting. They just cut to Jimmy freaking out in the parking lot though. Yes. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if like while he's freaking out, he's like, silver me out and then, like, <laughs> his freak out. Um, or it's interesting to think that maybe francesca would do that but the way that we saw her respond to the last thing he asked her to do she seemed pretty adamant like fuck you dude you're you're taking care of shit yourself i am here as your assistant alone and i am not doing anything above and beyond anymore it would be interesting though if she had already broken bad and was like calling up <laughs> contacts to get the name of, well, you know, I mean, to there's, get no, a card. there's no telling what Jimmy would have told her to get her. Yeah. To call, though. I'm trying to think of like what excuse he could have given her. Like, uh, you know, I, I know he's got a real, I want to get a, I want to get him a few car washes, but I know his car, he's got a real expensive car. So I want to make sure I get him coupons for the right place. So oh, I need I to know what ass- kind of car he drives. I would have assumed he would have been like this victim that I have as my client says that this guy was part of a hit and run. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. We've got to try to find him. Like, I feel like it would be some shit like that. Like, there you, you would go. really yeah. try to play it up. Showmanship. Yeah. I mean, we know Jimmy can think quick on his feet. He could have told Francesca anything and then she would have done it thinking it was legit. I said last week when we were talking about the plot that they were going to basically do what they did to Chuck and chicanery and make him seem insane. Well, not on the stand in this case, but in the forum that they're in, make him look insane. And they, that's exactly that's exactly what they did. There are so many little callbacks. Howard says, I'm not crazy. And you remember Chuck, like, I'm not crazy. And then Howard accused them of switching the photos. And Chuck was like, they switched the numbers. <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> There was another small one. When Howard comes to see Kim and Jimmy after, he brings a bottle of McAllen. That was what he brought after chicanery. When Chuck had his meltdown, Howard came to see Chuck afterwards, brought him a bottle of McAllen, and was like, don't worry, Jimmy's not going to stay out of trouble for a year. It's all going to be fine. Everything's cool. So this time he brought it to Jimmy, and uh, you won. Another small one is Howard uses the word Baroque. Our dear friend and ringleader, Sherry loses power. Meanwhile, the rest of our hosts get a little fidgety. I should do a little spoiler for the Mano sad in this apron. That's our sponsor. <laughs> you like chicken? Try Las Pollas Hermanos. <laughs> Dial 1-800-523-4. Para Español, Marque 2. Bienvenidos. An entire telenovela, and that's the only line everybody says. Everyone has the same line said in different inflection. <laughs> 
Marque. Dos. Dos. Marque dos. Para español. Marque dos. Para español. Marque dos. Sorry, guys. There it is. That's the episode. It's beautiful. Beautiful. We don't have to go anymore. Then we can we can stop. Oh no! Oh no no no! That was the episode of our telenovela. We're still in for this episode. Yes, yes. (laughs) We just had a little mini mini webisode, our telenovela webisode. If you'd like to hear this podcast in uh, español, marquedos. (laughs) Dave, edit that out. That's your clip. (laughs) Yeah, just. In season three, Kim goes to Paige and Kevin to warn them that something might come up about Chuck and Jimmy because of the trial and everything. Paige says, that's pretty Baroque when she explains the plan. Just another little thing they threw in there. I think everything in this scene was hilarious too. Like Aaron on the phone with all the call-in people. (laughs) (laughs) And if you get disconnected, just redial the number and press the pound sign. That's a little tic-tac-toe. I love how she was like screaming into it too. Like, did she really need to be that close? Well, they are, they are old folks, you know, I can't hear that well. Yeah. But then you hear like from Kim and Jimmy's end, like you can hear the whole room. Right. 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 And I love, I love that Kim is getting kind of nervous. You know, she's going to, she's going to pick up the phone and do something. And Jimmy's like, just calm down. He knows how the fucking old people are. He knows it takes a minute to figure out how to unmute their phone when they're Mm -hmm. in a conference call. (laughs) And then at the end of the whole thing, when, when Howard walks out and Irene is like, is this how these usually go? (laughs) Listen, I was so happy. <laughs> uh, Irene, y'all saw my reaction. Irene Landry is a legend. Irene Legendary. Let me tell you. Yes. This is an Irene Landry stand account. That is what my burner is. I literally was saying, like, before the season started, I was like, all I want from season six is cameos from the characters from the earlier seasons. Irene Landry, the Kettlemans, Everett Acker, the boys from season one that he does his first scheme with on the show. And I've got like half of that already. And I'm very pleased. But Irene was the one I wanted the most. In the Insider podcast, they did talk about when they were trying to figure out what the scam was going to be when they were writing the scam. They did think about bringing back the Skater Twins for it. But they couldn't. Oh. They just couldn't figure out a way to make it work the way right. they wanted it to. So they left them out. But they did talk about bringing them back in. If you think about it, the Skater Twins are the genesis of everything because had they hit the correct car instead of Tuco's car, none of this shit would be happening because Jimmy mm-hmm. would never have been introduced to La- uh, to Nacho. And so he wouldn't have been the one to go to when Lalo needed somebody to represent. Well, yep. they, they first got him for Domingo, but the Skater Twins are... Uh, the reason we're here right now. Fuck thank you, twins. Damn you, twins. Or thank you for providing <laughs> wonderful content for our viewing pleasure. Thank you, you Napoleon Dynamite looking fucks. <laughs> for real. It's, like, like, John, it's like Johnny Eater's brothers or something. <laughs> Kim and Jimmy having their victory make out session on the couch that was not oh a make that gosh. was not a makeout session was <laughs> that was a little bit more 
Well, you know, I mean, they are married. <laughs> <laughs> that was some definite foreplay. <laughs> I told you, I told you guys, she's into the shit sexually. Mm-hmm. Howard hits it right on the head when he, he, you get off on it. He tells them that straight up, you get off on it and they can't deny it. They do. Mm-hmm. They, they do liter- deny it. They but... literally just did. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know this whole time we've been trying to think of reasons like why are they doing this like do they hate Howard this much but like none of us were like just for fun (laughs) like because it's fun well like I mean like I said you know it's a bonus that they get to needle Howard and it's a bonus that they get the money and the money's a great justification for all of it but deep 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 in their hearts it was just because they get off on it (laughs) well you remember literally how how much fun they had when they like scammed that first guy together Mm -hmm. Like mm-hmm. how that was like such a pivotal point for them. And like how Jimmy's like, great, we can do this all the time. And Kim is like, no, I'm still a good person right now. Or at least I'm pretending to be. So not yet. Later. Talk about douchey earpiece guy yeah. from Breaking Bad, right? The one Walt blows yeah, up. Yeah, Kim wins. Okay, thank you. Kim wins. Yeah. I mean, she she loves it so much. She kept the bottle top from it. Lalo in the tunnels. He's filming the video for Eladio talking about Gus and finding the proof and all that. This makes me think even more that Lalo has to be dead. Number one, because Eladio never got that tape, apparently. Because nobody knows about the Super Lab in Breaking Bad. They would know about it had they gotten the tape. While Gus is so freaked out and paranoid now, he is not like that in Breaking Bad. So I'm, I'm pretty sure Lalo must, he has to be dead. He has to be in the, in the current timeline. Or he got shipped off to some fucking other country or something. Like you, they're like, you have to get out of here. Eladio is like, you got to get out of here. You're causing problems. Get the fuck out. I think he has to be mm-hmm. dead. Because I think no matter what, the twins die, Tuco dies, and Hector dies. And I really think that he would have shown up after that if he were alive, no matter what. Like, assuming he found out about it somehow, I think he would have came back and be like, I'll just kill everybody. What do I care? Also, in Breaking Bad, I think Gus tells Hector that all of his family is dead. After Tuco gets killed and after the cousins get killed, Mm. I think Gus or somebody, somebody tells Hector that every he's the last living member of his family or something like that there was no wallow in Breaking Bad I think that almost means they have to kill him off because they've already in the future unless Gus Hector's dead I was just gonna say that would they do like a double death fake out would they do that I don't know it'd be pretty cool (laughs) if they did sorry I didn't deliver that correctly it'd be pretty cool if you did (laughs) be a whole lot cooler if you did that's what you get now do it in Spanish (laughs) <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't know how to say that in Spanish <laughs> That's what you get to <laughs> mm, No <laughs> Pretty sure that's not it I'll look at it He decides to call Hector And he hears the click on the line And um, automatically decides that he's being tapped This is a, one of the few times we see Lalo lose his fucking cool As he takes it out on the chair Then he thinks about it for a minute And he calls Hector back And basically sets up the lie that he's going to go after Gus tonight. Of course, we know it's because he wants to see what happens when when he says that, when he does. But he's tipping his hand because now he's letting them know that he's alive. Because I was like, oh, because he made that call, Mike pulled all of the low-level, people that were following the low-level priority contacts, which is how Lalo was able to get into Jimmy and Kim's house because they were not being watched anymore. But Lalo doesn't know that. He didn't call them to get him to pull the men because he didn't he doesn't even know that's going on other than seeing what they would do 
when he made the call, what do you think was the point of him making that call? I think that's exactly what it is. I think he was trying to see how many guards were there and what kind of weapons they had. And he was staking them out. He wanted to see what he was going to be up against. He had already pretty much figured out this was, well, not even really the home base, I guess. It's just like one of the places. Man, I don't know. I felt so prepared for this question and now it's falling apart. (laughs) You thought you were in control, but it turned out that you really weren't. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I honestly, I hadn't even really thought about why other, other than that, show me who you got in there. How many, how many guys do you really have? I was more... thinking why has Lalo had the same phone this whole time like he's actually using his phone like Gus knows the number that's the number he tapped why wouldn't Lalo have picked up a burner (laughs) I think the nursing home was tapped not Lalo's phone okay that makes way more sense like they like we know he's gonna call his uncle at some point so we gotta keep okay I'm sure Lalo has a burner Yeah, yeah yeah I'm like how do they have your number man but yeah It's a pretty big thing to tip your hand that you're alive if all you want to do is see what they're going to do if, if they find out you're alive. What was he looking for? All he did was see Mike oh, Mike come out sorry. and Tyrus go in. <laughs> I just remembered what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> he knew that if he threatened Gus, the guards would be pulled to go protect Gus, which would give him an opportunity to sneak into the laundromat and try and find out what's going on down there too. He might try and just get down to the secret bunker thing and take a look himself. And we saw Gus put the gun down there. So I think Gus may even go down there expecting Lalo to go there. Hmm. Except Mike told him to go home. True, but- Go home and get some rest. He doesn't have a body double there. Yeah, Gus isn't gonna do, he's not gonna get rest. I think that actually was probably a very good answer. (laughs) (laughs) After that, he sees the cockroach and that makes him think of Jimmy because in Bagman, when Kim went to see Lalo, La Cucaracha, he he called Jimmy a a cockroach. (laughs) (laughs) La Cucaracha. Moraces. Nice. I had to look it up because it's not like it's not like a thing that you can say. I mean, I'm sure you can, but it wouldn't mean the same thing. Have you lost in translation? So I had to look up what would be like the everyday slang for it. Yeah. And there were a couple different ways to say it, but the one that means like, that's what you deserve is Taylor Moraisis. There you go. It's Moraisis. It's funny you were saying that because Alexa Mansour just started a live video on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Mike goes to see Gus. Gus is giving out a check to the youth development, whatever. Mike pulls him into the office and tells, you know, tells him about Lalo and everything. Even Mike calls it an uncontrollable situation. He, I mean, he actually says that in his line. So the movie Jimmy and Kim are watching is called Born Yesterday. It's got Judy Holiday and William Holden. And it is about a bullying, uncouth junkyard tycoon, Harry Brock, goes to Washington, D.C. with his brassy girlfriend, Emma, Billy Dawn, and his crooked lawyer, Jim DeVere, to influence <laughs> a politician or two. As a legal precaution, Devery presses Harry to marry Billy as a wife cannot be forced to testify against her husband. Hmm. Perfect. The guy gets embarrassed by her lack of knowledge. And so he hires a journalist to kind of teach her how to behave in Washington or whatever. And it turns out that she's actually smarter than anybody thought. She starts to think for herself and 
kind of push back against her bullying boyfriend and she ends up falling in love with the journalist and they, they get married after they take down the big bad guy. <laughs> I thought that part was interesting where they were pressuring him to marry her so she couldn't testify against him, or didn't have to testify against him. And his name was Jim. They're watching TV together as they, watching the old movies together as they tend to do. And they see the candle flicker. I immediately thought it was Lalo. I got all those shit, it's Lalo. She's like, we don't have to get that. I'm like, no, don't get it. <laughs> just just don't, don't, leave it, leave it. But it's Howard. And this was very similar to the scene in 509 when Lalo comes over. She kind of walks in, starts walking through the house, talking the whole time, asking questions, what's the, you know, what's going on. And he's not wrong about anything he says at all. He is 100% right about everything he says about them. They are soulless. <laughs> Oh man, um, Howard Howard and Wes this week, both these characters were 100% correct and yeah. they died for it. It's been a rough couple of weeks for Howard's on AMC. If you get cast on the AMC show and your character's name is Howard, do not get comfortable in your part. Nope. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> so the candle flickers again and I don't even know what to say about it because I'm still just kind of like... The slow-mo of Jimmy pulling kim into Pull, him like pulling kim back who was it was who was it that said they hoped they weren't using her as body shield <laughs> that was me <laughs> what i want all of you to do is tell me what your feelings were about this scene and how you still feel about it i feel like what the fuck? We got done watching it and we all just sat here for like 10 minutes with our mouths open. We couldn't even speak. It was so shocking. Even as Lalo's pulling the gun out and putting the silencer on, like in my head, I'm like, oh, fuck, Howard's dead. Oh, fuck, oh, fuck, he's dead, he's dead. But like in my heart, I'm like, maybe he'll turn around and leave. And like, <laughs> but, I, and then I'm like, no, Lalo will just chase him down. Like he doesn't give a fuck. He, oh, it was just, oh my gosh. And now I can't stop thinking about how they're going to get out of it. Like, what are they going to do now? I don't see Lalo cleaning this mess up, right? Deny everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, obviously he saw my reaction. And um, yeah, I mean, I really, that was great content. So I wish you would have got that on video. But like I told you guys, I had Nacho's death spoiled for me. I didn't know this was going to happen, obviously. And Sharon and I talked a little bit after the show about how I said when I started Better Call Saul from the very first episode Nacho appeared, I knew he was going to be dead by the series wrapped because it just felt that way. He was in the game. And we talked about how Howard wasn't in the game. For me, when I'm watching Better Call Saul, we all know the story of Breaking Bad. And obviously Howard is not a part of that story. But it still felt like he could be the one to just live his life and he doesn't and i think this is definitely one of the most shocking death scenes i've ever seen even though like you said he's pulling out the gun he's putting on the silencer i'm like he'll probably be fine you know <laughs> fine. And, and you know in retrospect it just makes so much sense you know like the first three episodes of the season really built towards nacho's death and all the episodes after kind of built towards howard's you don't really know that until after the fact but I was gobsmacked. I couldn't believe they went there. I actually made a Facebook post about it. I don't know if you saw it. I, I rarely ever post about shows like that aren't The Walking Dead. And it really was one of the most riveting hours of television I've seen. It was fun. I'm a callback whore. So all the callbacks, I'm like, yes. And then the ending scene is, I think, one of just masterfully done, masterfully acted. 
And I'm sad because obviously like the whole episode, I'm like, why are you, stop being mean to Howard? You know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he can be a dick sometimes, but he's like not a bad person. As shocking as it is for us. I just wonder how guilty Jimmy and Kim are going to feel moving forward because they spent the last weeks of this man's life making it a living hell. And I wonder how it's going to affect them. But as far as that scene goes, it was flawless. It was emotional, visceral. It was sad, but perfect. I also want to say that the post you made on Facebook was fucking perfect. We can't wait another six weeks. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Walker, we can't wait another six weeks, Paige. What both Aiden and Rich has said kind of encapsulates how I feel about that scene. I went into the episode pretty much thinking Howard was going to die. In one way or another. I had said that about the the drug that I was worried that it was going to affect his heart or something because I just I felt like I saw that pulling Kim and, and Jimmy apart in the future. And so I went into it thinking that he was going to die. So then when he didn't die at the point that I thought he would, I kind of was like, oh, OK, well, maybe it's like maybe he's fine for a while then. Like maybe it isn't now. Maybe it's later in the season. So once Lalo showed up, I was like, oh, fuck, this is it. Like, this, <laughs> This is it. But in my head, I was still like, no, like he'll, he'll leave, he'll leave and it'll be fine. And then it wasn't fine at all. And uh, all of us did the fling back, like in shock. I ripped my headphones out. I went, pearls. <laughs> I, went, I went through and I read some articles about the episode and I actually read a really interesting interview with Patrick Fabian about the fact that he knew that he was going to die. His character is going to die in this season but he didn't know when. And so he would wait for each script and each script would come and he'd be like, maybe it's the script. And then he would read it and he'd be like, nope, not this nope. one. And it got so far into the season that he had kind of deluded himself to think, well, maybe they're going to like kill someone else off and they're not going to kill me. <laughs> and like, I can live. So I felt kind of like that. Like it was like shit, like blindsided. And apparently <laughs> I didn't know this, but I guess Ray, Bob and Patrick were all living together during filming and so patrick knew at the beginning of the season and kept that a secret somehow even though he was like living Whoa. with them mm -hmm. so that was a really cool piece of information to get normally i'm not like a behind the scenes kind of person i i feel like it really ruins the show for me a lot of the time so i try not i try to like not get any of that information but this was a really interesting part and so i was glad that i read up about it so he was blindsided in a way too he knew it was coming but wasn't sure when um wasn't sure how and they actually went into the season not knowing before when they were in season five they didn't know that they were going to kill off howard this like came about just from that one offline in season five where kim is like we have to do something to like con howard like we have to come up with this like long con that's what led to this it's just really cool to know that now, because I guess I figured that their writing is so great that they must think 40 steps ahead. Any really, really, really great, well-pieced together TV show, you know, sometimes they'll say like we had a plan for four or five seasons or whatever. And like, that was what we planned to do. So I guess I kind of assumed that for this and that was not the case mm -hmm. in, in this instance. So. They, they pride themselves on writing themselves into corners and then having to find a way to get themselves out of it. And they do it. They do it every time. Every time and they, they do, do it, it beautifully in a mm -hmm. way that makes sense. I mm -hmm. love that. I have a question. Bridget said that she kind of felt like Howard was going to die going into this episode. Did you two feel that way? Or like even when the season started, were you like Howard's going to die? Because like I don't know if it's just because I was coming off of a binge where I didn't really have time to theorize because it was just like boom, 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 boom. 
So it kind of really blindsided me when I was watching the episode because, like, I was not ready for it. <laughs> I did not think that Howard was going to die until I was slightly spoiled about two days before the episode came out because Bob Odenkirk posted a picture of himself and Patrick Fabian, and Patrick Fabian had blood in his hair. I did not know it was going to happen, but as soon as Lalo pulled the gun out, I was like, fuck, man. Fuck, he's dead. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't think about it beforehand. Like, I never really considered Howard getting killed during the season. The only way I figured he would die was, my, like, if they just destroyed him so thoroughly, he might commit suicide or something like that. I never considered him getting murdered by that's interesting that you say that because i was thinking like we talked about the similarities of like him and chuck earlier and i said like he kind of becomes the man that he idolized and he pretty much dies like obviously differently than chuck but like very similarly in a sense that jimmy and kim pulled off a scheme that humiliated them in front of everyone that led them to a confrontation that then made them feel incredibly low and of course chuck kills himself and I kind of feel like Howard may have went down that path if he'd survived this confrontation because we heard about his marriage crumbling. Now Clifford Maine and everybody, Rick Schweiker, you know, they all think he's insane and he's on drugs and this and that. And like Dave always says, you can't unring a bell. Everyone's heard that. You can't erase that from someone's memory. Even if it's false, it's out there and it's in people's minds. That similarity is there. And I found that to be very interesting. So here's, I'm thinking one of the ways they could deal with Howard's death, Kim and Jimmy, is call it a suicide. Yo, this guy went crazy and started screaming crazy shit about me today. And then he showed up at my house screaming stuff at me and then blew his own brains out. That's honestly the only way I can see that they can get out of it, unless they just hide the body or something somewhere. Is Howard right-handed? My thing is like, if he committed suicide, he'd have a gun. So I mean, Lalo doesn't want to get caught either. So what's to stop Kim and Jimmy from saying this fucker Lalo came and killed this guy in our apartment. So I feel like Lalo will be like, here's the gun. Let's make it look like a suicide that way, you know, cause he still wants Kim and Jimmy to be out there. He, he doesn't want them to be in jail or anything. He needs, he needs, he needs Jimmy. He need, yeah. yeah. So, it's, you know, he's not like he wants them to go to get in trouble or anything. Cause that just leads back to him and makes more trouble. They'll try to make it look like a suicide, which everybody would believe since Howard went fucking crazy at the conference. There's a lot of ways they could prove it wasn't, but since it's a TV show, they may just sort of gloss over all the important mm-hmm. facts that would disprove yeah, suicide. Type of TV show too. Right. That's and true. I think the silencer is another thing because that's an apartment complex, is it not? So mm-hmm. if he was going to kill himself, would he really go through the trouble of getting a silencer? They'll mm-hmm. have to shoot it off again. Yeah. They could shoot it out the window or something, make a noise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you notice the blood splatter all over their painting? With the plan on the other yeah. side of it? Oh, no. Yeah. They better Howard's, remove that before Howard's fucking evidence. Are, Howard's <laughs> brains are all over their plan. It's just that's like an extra sick level. Howard's blood is literally on the opposite side of the plan. And not only that, Jimmy still has that painting in the future. Oh, shit. (laughs) Because we can't get rid of it. (laughs) It's crazy to me that two people now have died based on these schemes, right? Howard died unintentionally with Lalo showing up at the time that he did. And Chuck died because he killed himself because he felt like he couldn't redeem himself after everything that had happened to me. You'd think at that point he would be like, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. I have too much influence over other people's lives, clearly. Well, do you think he's going to be resentful of Kim because she's the one that pushed him to do it? 
Well, I think this is definitely going to be a breaking point for the two of them. I am really hopeful as we're talking about like Lalo is most likely going to die. And then the only other character that we don't know what happens to them is Kim. I don't want it to be that everyone just dies. That's Mm -hmm. dumb and boring. So I want there to be something that happens like either Lalo fakes his death and he gets away. I mean, not saying I want Kim to die because I don't, but just saying like, there's got to be something that happens between the two of them that at least one of them lives. However, that may be. What if the reason Lalo is not around in Breaking Bad is because he's in prison and Kim put him there and now she has to go into witness protection. See, that would be like a cool ending, right? Mm -hmm. To To me, that would be cool. That would be interesting. So I hope that it goes that route instead of the route of just bam everyone's dead and so none of these people even exist anymore so it doesn't matter (laughs) then the show ends with lalo showing up to gene (laughs) oh Oh my my god i would die i would die see that would be awesome that would be great television if all of a sudden at the end it's lalo the fun my hope is that kim for whatever reason ends up back in her hometown or in a close area because it's not very far from omaha and that that's who Jean's going to call to get him to help his kin. And they're going to be reunited. That's what I hope. Anyway, there has I to be a so. reason why her, why he is placed so close to her on the map. Last question. What do you think is going to become of HHM now that Howard's dead? I guess Carrie is going to just have to take it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Carrie. I, oh I vote for Aaron. No, Aaron. Wait a minute. Aaron works for uh, Cliff, so it can't be Aaron. Um, Ernie? <laughs> oh yeah i was gonna say we know some of the other parts Poor Ernie. Uh, i want attorneys. him to be in charge now hi are they gonna have to hmm. break it down is it gonna be taken over i wonder if schweikert and maine would like absorb the company or would they have to still oh, buy no, somebody they out they would have to buy it out though cheryl his yeah howard oh, stocks true. would go to cheryl okay. and so yeah. cheryl okay. would be there she would be the majority owner mm-hmm. yeah. and we don't know what she does for a living do we no hell we didn't even know she existed until a couple episodes ago what if she's a lawyer and she takes over the bitch looks like she she goes to the country club for her living that's what she looks like she does she has tennis she has tennis lessons at 11 a.m the words of kevin we can't wait six more weeks does she belong to the same country club uh well i guess she would belong to the same country club as howard so oh god the racist uh, one yeah <laughs> <laughs> i hope by the end of the season that sandpiper settles like I, that's what i want i just want him to fucking settle. we've been dealing with this since season two which this also brings Question up mark? an interesting question will sandpiper settle now and do jimmy and kim even want that money now Oof. well cliff's oh, gonna feel cliff, gross i thought cliff made it pretty clear that they were gonna take the settlement because if they mm-hmm. didn't take it, they were only going to lose money after that. So I'm pretty sure they were signing off on that with or without right. Howard. But if it comes to light that the lead attorney on this case that just had this big blow up and this big problem and this druggy blah, 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 is that going to tank the case totally? Not if the ink is already dry. Yeah. Cliff's got to push this through fast before. Yeah, I, If he pushed it find through, out. like, let's say Howard left and he pushed it through while Howard was gone. It's over. But I mean, hopefully Rich said he was going to drop it. What a million dollars every day. Every day. Like mm-hmm. he was going to take it. So I love how money. like compassionately he says it too. He's like, you know, we're going back to the last offer and you don't take it. We're going to, yeah. sorry, take a million dollars away. <laughs> you don't settle up the day after that. We're going to take some more. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I always like Rich though. Even when he was the 
enemy when they were trying to put together the sandpiper case in the first place and he was the you know oh the bad guy he was always just so nice and i hope this isn't the last we see of rich yeah he was really good to kim too yeah even when she called him out in the middle of the office you know mm-hmm. he didn't lose his cool he was like look i know we all have problems just don't do it in front of the troops next time <laughs> yeah he's a cool dude i like him if you'd like to hear this podcast in spanish do these things always go like this don't do anything else dave we're not doing a rating ending that's the end of the episode yep. that's it good night everybody good night Rip howard bye mm. howard r.i.p howard bye we're one out bye. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode of Better Squawk Saul, our coverage of Better Call Saul's sixth and final season. I've been your host, David Cameo, and I was joined by Cosmom09, Rachel Burt, Sharon D, aka Blazy Gardner, and Survivor's Tier member, Bridget, ex-Prophecy Girl on Twitter, and Ain't My First Rodeo on Instagram. And if you made it to our sixth episode of Better Squawk Saul, covering Better Call Saul's seventh episode of the sixth and final season, titled Plan and Execution, you were also joined by Aiden Atkin, at Aiden underscore Atkin underscore on Instagram, and at Aiden the Raven on Twitter. If you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead. Leave us five stars and an eggplant to let us know that you love us, but we're going to need a little bit more than that from you guys, because Better Call Saul, that's a new thing for us. We want to know what you liked, what you didn't like, whether we should just stick to the Walking Dead universe, or if you want much more of this to come, use it as a means to communicate your desires after every episode. And if you leave your social media accounts, we will tag you when we post this review on social media. And if you really, really want to be involved in how these episodes shape out. You want to support the podcast? All you need to do is create a free account on ko-fi.com and follow us at ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead. You don't have to buy us a coffee for 30 days of supporter back content, which includes the ability to download our unedited episode recordings or stream them. You don't have to join a membership tier for as little as a dollar a month, which includes Discord access, as well as a whole host of baseline perks. All you got to do is follow us. It lets you know when we record, when we drop our unedited episode recordings and when we think of a new idea that we want your feedback on it's the only place we post these things we don't post these things on social media and speaking of membership tiers we'd like to thank both our survivors and whispers tier members in that order among them include of course bridget x prophecy girl on twitter and ain't my first rodeo on instagram who joined in these episode breakdowns as well as at eliza jones 71 on instagram and at jones aj6 on twitter at real ryan gm on twitter jasmine at jasmine iac on instagram and of course fanartlindy ko-fi.com slash fanartlindy and let's not forget our whispers tier members who include of course at aiden underscore atkin underscore on instagram and at aiden the raven on twitter at rita's fan 2 on instagram and twitter at j13 Voorhees on instagram and twitter at sandy.d.morrison on facebook at frosted angel 67 on twitter at tyler philip cox on instagram and twitter and of course at judith.morton on Instagram. I'd like to thank you very much for making it to the very end of this podcast and for always listening to Squawking Dead. We hope you're enjoying this and we'll see you in the next one.